Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Report. My name is Gordon. I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And we're here to look back on the previous episodes, picking tracks for our party playlist. And the big event at the end is to pick the Golden Jeffrey for the best album from season two. So we'll start by looking back alumni from season one. A quick go through there. So first up, Jeffrey Tull, who, again, due to the coverage that given by the Jeffrey podcast, Jeffrey Tull are back and have actually released two albums since the last Jeffrey report. There's Sell It Gene and Rock Flute. So I assume you've had a listen of these these two. Yeah, I should say we we did decided not to do reviews and rankings of this, of these two, because we believe that our opinion isn't actually particularly important. And if we are going to say something, we should try and be positive and constructive. And we weren't mad keen on these two albums. Therefore, we didn't feel we had that much to say, which would be positive and constructive. However, we do have a slight disagreement on these because I think we should do it anyway. And I would probably, yes, I would probably rank the Zealot Gene pretty low down. But I think Rock Flute or Rock Float is actually a pretty decent album actually and in typical Jethro Tull fashion they seem to do albums in twos or threes that are quite similar to me Rock Float feels a lot like a much better version of what was trying to happen in the Zealot Gene yes I've listened to them and that's my quick potted view yeah I'm not really a fan of the Zealot Gene it do, it is very much just an Ian Anderson solo album it feels very much like a lockdown cobbled together stuff thing as well to me yeah, I mean, there is virtually no guitar in it. Obviously, Martin Barr isn't on the album, which is a big issue. I'm not sure it's really Jeff Tull without Martin Barr. But that said, obviously, Ian Anderson does own the rights to Jeff Tull, and I don't think anyone would challenge that. So I don't blame him because the albums will sell more because they've got Jeff Tull on the front rather than Ian Anderson. So fair enough, but it's not really a Jeff Tull album. And it's not for me, definitely. I, I won't. I had a quick listen again in preparation for this this uh, episode and really struggled to get through it and I, I don't can't imagine listening to it again and I don't really listen to his solo stuff to be honest no I'd, I'd agree with most of that I certainly don't think you know this at uh, this position is it Jeff Rotel anymore I mean legally of course yes as you rightly say but you know emotionally if you go and see a band Ian Anderson and some people standing behind him however great they are and I really like his current band but it's not Jeff Rotel for me, Jeffrey told you need Martin Barr, and ideally you really need somebody else, probably John Evan or Dave Pegg or somebody like that. And even Deb Pegg's slightly ropey, but okay. I just think bands, when you just, it just becomes something else at that point. There is some sort of central dynamic of a band that means that it's not just a person and some other, and some musicians. There's something else. And it's different for each band. There's no, is Pink Floyd really Pink Floyd if Roger Waters has gone? It doesn't really feel like it. It feels like a bit like a tribute act. It doesn't really feel like you're really seeing Pink Floyd without Roger Waters. And it kind of feels the same looking at Jeff Rotol when it's Ian Anderson and four of the fantastic musicians. Yeah, and it doesn't help, of course, that he can't sing anymore. Which, well, no, that doesn't help. Um, no. <laughs> rock Flute, I agree, is a lot better. They've turned the guitars up, but there's not really anything standing out on it. It might even just be better as one track and possibly an instrumental track, but it is definitely more listenable than Zealot Gene. And if I was going to put one on it, it would be that one. Shall we move on to Deus? They were they were our episode two. They were, yeah. And we've subsequently done a an album review and um a Jeffrey Goes to Deus. Yeah, we did go Deus mad a bit, didn't we? During this very lengthy season. Three years, because we actually recorded the previous Jeffrey report in the year twenty twenty one, in April it was released. So it's almost three years making season two. Blimey, yeah. And some of that wasn't Rush. <laughs> well, yeah, Rush was about eight months, wasn't yeah, it? So. It was something ridiculous. I mean it's 
But we did go day as crazy in the middle of this season we when did. the new album came out, which was uh, enormous fun. Enormous fun. Understandably so. It was a good album and, you know, we enjoyed the tour as well. I did as well also end up going to a further gig, the very last gig of the tour in Liège, which was brilliant. Possibly my best gig ever. Well, you did say it definitely won gig of the year, which was a slightly um, bittersweet moment because you were hoping it would go to The Devil Makes Three. Yeah. I and did then feel in the like, end, Deus pipped them at the post. Yeah. I did feel Devil Makes Three deserved it because that was brilliant too. And if I was doing, you know, certainly a top 10 of gigs of all time, both would be in there. So, Well, you got front front row in the age. It was a great set list. Uh, the final one of the tour. So nice little thing there. So that was your gig of the year. Yeah. I haven't quite decided what my gig of the year was. It, it may well have been Steph Camel Carlin's doing the Bob Dylan thing, which I saw in Brussels. That might well be my gig of the year. And Deus would be down in two or three. I'm not quite sure where I saw them in Madrid. And maybe Paul Weller would be up there. I think he was a, he, he was really good last year. So I'm not quite sure. I haven't worked it out. I don't have such a clear winner like you do. Yeah. The, the first half of the Deus tour wasn't quite as exciting, I think, because of the, yeah. the set list and the second half. You know, they just nailed the set list for me anyway. Just put, basically put in most of my favourites and my wife's favourite as well to make it sort of a fairly perfect set list. Yeah, I, I agree. And I caught them on the first half in two, two separate concerts. And anyway, we've done that before. We talked about that. So yeah. let, let's, let, there's no further updates from Deus at the moment. They are still going to play in 2024. They're playing somewhere in, obviously in Benelux somewhere. It's a festival date, isn't it, so far? Yeah. I don't think there's anything else I think announced. it's in Belgium. Nothing else announced and nothing that I've really seen. I don't, I don't imagine anything will. Obviously, they've had a very busy 2023, so I don't expect much more from them for a year or two. Episode three was Radiohead. So not a lot of action here because they went off and started the, the band The Smile. To me, just sound like Radiohead, so I'm not quite sure why they're bothered. I th- assume you've listened to that. Do you have any comments? Well, yeah. I mean, apparently it was during lockdown when they couldn't get together as Radiohead for whatever reason. So Johnny and Tom got together with Tom Skinner and that's where the smile came from. And as you say, it basically sounds like Radiohead because Radiohead is is really Tom and Johnny primarily in terms of how the songwriting process is is created. So hence it sounds a lot like Radiohead, yes. And there has been um, some whisperings about a new Radiohead album, but no actual action on that. Yeah, I think Ed O'Brien mentioned it, didn't he, that they're talking about getting back together for a bit, see how they get on. Yeah. So maybe new Radiohead material at some point. If there is, I imagine it will be with minimal publicity, just suddenly drop out of middle of nowhere, but probably quite different from anything they've done before. My guess would be jazzier because they seem to go round different genres and like they did a bit of dubstep and then they did quite a lot with strings, whereas now I'm guessing that they're in a more slightly jazzier phase considering what's happening with The Smile. Which would be great for you, considering you don't particularly like Radiohead and hate jazz. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be right up your street, isn't it? Look forward to that one. Next up was Kameda, and despite extensive pressure from the podcast, they're still not reformed. No. Obviously, there's no real action there. The only thing I would say is that the fact that pretty much approximately 100% of our positive feedback seems to come around the Kameda episode and uh, the uh, interview we did as well with Marcus Holmberg. Marcus Holmberg, the bass player, plays in a band called Jude now, which is D-E-W-E-D, which he started since we did that episode. So you can find a little bit of them here and there. I'm still listening to The Woodlands, though, and I'll keep banging on about them, and will again, actually, later on. But Yeah, I've got the vinyl copy. It's, it's one I play reasonably often. I think it's really good. I wish they'd do more as Woodlands. It's really good. Well, we should do more as Kameda. Just bloody get on with it. 
How hard can it be? These days you can record an album in your bedroom. Come on. It's not that hard. You don't need a record deal. Yeah. I think Woodlands Woodlands is largely um, Sarah Wilson, I think it is. So they could, in theory, work independently and perhaps tour together. Just a little suggestion. Yeah, very good suggestion as well. Anyway, we'll keep pressuring them. So let's move on to Talking Heads, another uh, hub of virtual virtual inaction. Obviously, they've re-released the Stop Making Sense, where they did actually sort of get together in the same room, and there were sort of vague hints about reforming. I don't know if that's just to get some news headlines so that people will go see the film. I think think they have, as you said, got back together in a room, and they have found that they can get on perfectly well. I think if David Byrne was the main problem, interpersonal problem, between the band if that if that is indeed the case then he seems to have mellowed a lot and just been a lot more appreciative of his ex-band mates and just seems a lot more willing and open to collaborate with them he's not he collaborates with loads of people mm. he's quite a collaborative fella so i think he seems a bit more open to that which is nice yeah i've also read his book how music works which is quite a lengthy tome and that does give a little bit of insight into talking heads process as well although it's not talking about talking heads specifically and it's not really autobiographical He's talking about different bits of the way the music industry works more than music itself, although both to some extent. But he naturally does. I mean, he's, he's telling his own story as well. So you do hear a lot about little bits of the way the Talking Heads process, especially the early days. So that was quite nice to just get a bit more colour on that one. Yeah. So next up is Muse, who have released uh, um, an album since we did did the last episode on them. Apparently, the record company were pushing for a best of and they said, oh, no, I'll write a new in inverted commas, best of. And I think you can hear some references to previous albums on it. And it's a very listenable album. But I think when you can, you can hear bits of previous albums, but they're not really the best albums. And those songs aren't that great either. So you think, okay, I can hear Drones in this song, but Drones is a better album and not sure this would actually get on the album. So it is quite listenable, but if we were ranking it, I would put it quite low down, probably at the bottom but it is sort of surprisingly listenable but really really far from anything the best thing they've ever done i know you're less of a muse fan of you did you actually listen to it i did at the time and found it just to feel like i don't quite understand why you're really releasing this as such again it's not bad it's not terrible by any means it is listenable it's perfectly fine i enjoy the way that they play their instruments i like their style as musicians but as songwriters i kind of thinking well we've heard all this before And it felt to me like even the last three or four albums have kind of felt superfluous. Yeah, I kind of wonder if, with hindsight particularly, would you think about the whole best of issue part of it is, would they have been better actually releasing, letting the record company release a best of and then just get on with producing something new? Whereas, I think, yes, I think that's now the wasted to that question. two or three years doing an out al- new album, the tour with it, and there's not really anything new of any quality. I know I'm being a bit dismissive, it's not that bad, the album, but it's not. Most of it is derivative of their own previous work. Well, yeah, deliberately so, in the sense that it was trying to write a best of, sort of, our best ideas in new songs or whatever. But yeah, anyway, let's move on. Does Doreen, there's anything for Fiona Apple? No, she's still not got in touch with me, unfortunately. I, I dream on. White Stripes, nothing new there, and Pink Floyd... Well, they released that song for Ukraine. Roger Waters has run into a touch of controversy. Just a little. Yeah. And uh, Nick Mason's released a book. Yeah. Although I think the book was actually released before, but I did actually read it. But what 
little nugget that sort of surprised me was the fact that Biding My Time of Relics, which is a, a song we both like, is from the metal era and they wrote it at that time. It just goes to show how close metal could have been to being a sort of near perfect album if that was on instead of Saint Tropez and that stupid four minutes of whale music wasn't on and they maybe even written another track. For me, it would have been fine for Top Spot. I mean, it's not far off anyway for me, but. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, well, yeah, can't, can't really say anything other than completely agree. Get rid of the whale song. You could easily make echoes slightly longer just by extending some of the instrumentation bits, the funky bits and stuff like that. And that would have been fine. And as you say, put biding my time on instead of something like Sancho Bay, even a pillow of winds. I'm not mad keen on. So either of those. And so, yeah, completely agree with you. God, they were close, weren't they? Well, I think Sandra, I mean, Pillow of Wind isn't my favourite song either, but I think Sandra Pay is very, is so throwaway. It is. It would have been better. It is. I, I would take that off first. I agree. And I think had Biding My Time ended side one, because it's got that kind of ending sort of feel with that sort of cacophonous, jazzy thing at the end. Yeah. I think that would have just been a lovely first side of music with obviously one of these days at the beginning. And Fearless is lovely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I would take out the football song. That does always annoy yeah. me. Yeah. But I don't think we need that. We don't need people singing about Liverpool Football Club at any point, but certainly not on a Pink Floyd album. So let's jump through to season two. So we will be picking uh, tracks for the uh, party playlist here as well. So Rush, first of all, obviously no sort of progress on Rush, although there has been a half hint that the might Geddy and Alex might work together under the name Rush, but I don't suppose they could release new material without Neil. Well, yeah, as you say, Alex Lyson is active. Of course, he's in that band Envy of None. They're, they're, they're pretty decent and worth listening to. And uh, yeah, him and Geddy are talking about working together somehow. I don't think they've quite worked out how. I hope they don't reform Rush because for me, Rush needs Neil and just putting Dave Grohl or somebody else there. I just don't think works for me. So I'd just rather they started a different project and ideally without Geddy singing because I just don't think Geddy's voice is that great anymore. So that's my view on that one. I'm looking forward to reading his book, My F in Life, which I got for Christmas, which I haven't read yet, but I'm really, really looking forward to that. Right. I have read that. And by read, I actually listened to the audio book. So I don't know if that counts as read. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. But it is nice as well, because there are bits where Alex is quoted and Alex actually reads it. And there's another oh, really? bit. Does Geddy read it out? Geddy reads it. Right. And there is, there's a couple of bits that Alex reads which is basically his own stuff because he's quoting Alex. And there is another, I think, uh, I can't remember, there's another third piece that is written by, sorry, read by the person who wrote. It's a quote. It might be an album review or something. I, I can't remember. A bit of journalism, I think, or just something they'd said. So it's quite nice that he's done that. And the audiobook has a couple of songs from Geddy's solo album at the end, or not songs from it, the sort of extra tracks that would go with the album, one of which I liked and one which I thought was a little bit dull, but... Um, yeah, so nothing else apart from Rush, obviously. Geddy's been doing his book tour. A lot of bits of which you can find on YouTube, although the quality's not great, but still. So shall we pick our our tracks for the party playlist? Yeah, so we pick three, don't we, per band. Um, one of them has to come from the top album. Yes. And we can't have more than one on each album, is that right? Well... Got the rules right. You know how we feel about rules, fella. They're the guidelines. We we do always yeah. try and have a track from the, the, the top album, which, as you say, was Signals. So I would suggest The Analog Kid. Yeah, I had The Analog Kid. I know kid we down. both like that yeah. a lot. As our other tracks, I was thinking uh, YYZ and either After Image or Xanadu. 
Oh, interesting. Well, I'd gone a slightly different approach. I'd, I'd said analog kid as well, but I was thinking I was going to have one from a track before analog kid, so in the more earlier period, and one from a, the later period after. So looking looking into the sort of nineties and beyond. So I'd gone for finding my way from the first album, and I, but I'm happy to say YYZ could fill that slot as well. That's fine. And then for a later track, I'd gone for off counterparts double agent. Okay. So I thought that was quite a fun song. And it's their kind of later rocky period. And the other I thought was something from Clockwork Angels like The Garden. Yeah, I think The Garden is probably a better song, but it's more emotional. So in the fact that we are picking for a party playlist, I suggest we pick Analog Kid, YYZ and Double Agent. Next is Balthazar, who I don't think have been doing anything really. They seem to be going, having a break going to do some their solo work um i think they have played a couple of gigs as balthazar but that's pretty much it not for a while not for a while they've, as you said they've all been doing their solo stuff so i imagine they'll get back together at some point but maybe this year don't know yeah they played a festival in 2023 in antwerp so i guess i don't know where they live but because that wasn't like a big effort to go and do that but i don't think they've done anything since so for tracks i mean my favorite off sand is linger on but I think On A Roll is also excellent as well. Um, I've got Bunker and Do Not Claim Them Anymore as well on a, some of my little short list of tracks to pick. Okay, well, I had From Sand, uh, Linger On or On A Roll, slightly favouring On A Roll, but happy either way. I had Bunker as well to go from a different album, so that's on Thin Walls. And then I went for Fever or Entertainment from the album Fever, which are both quite up-tempo tracks, thinking again, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we jolly well know how to party in uh, in jeffrey towers we certainly do so i was thinking those and again from a different album thing so i'm happy to go with linger on and bunker okay so either fever or do not claim them anymore do you want to pick do you want so you're going for fever yeah okay let's go for fever or entertainment fever fever i think is better i think so moving on episode three was otis redding and uh unsurprisingly no movement now i'm guessing they've released everything that that he did now so yeah, they might re-release something in different structures or concerts or whatever, but I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I guess they can remix and remaster. I was very pleased with picking up a copy of the Immortal album, which was our top album. I picked that up on vinyl when I was in Lisbon. Just happened to come across it, and it was about 15 quid or something, so I thought, oh, I love that. And to put it on as a vinyl album, really, really appreciated it. You get so used to streaming that sometimes you listen to something on a vinyl or a CD or whatever. And you realise just how great that quality is. So yeah, it was a bit crackly, but you could still really enjoy it. Yes, I'm not surprised. I mean, it is my go-to album. I don't really listen to much else, but I do have a best of on Spotify, which I sometimes flick through, but it's generally usually listening to that album, which is great. What track did you pick from that album then to go on the playlist? Well, I was looking at what you liked most as well. So I I picked Hard to Handle because I know you like it. Yeah, that is my track for that, that I would put on the party playlist in particular. The other tracks I've picked are um, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I put that as well, yeah. Um, Equally obvious reasons. And then, look, going more for Jollity in a different album, I, pick, I picked Snatch a Little Piece. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't think of that one. Yeah, okay, I'm happy with that. I had sort of Down in the Valley, Tell the Truth to think about, but yeah, okay, let's go for that. Excellent. So, Patty Smith... He did get a message. Well, I was chatting for a little bit with somebody called Luna on Instagram when she listened to I Think Our Jeffrey Goes To and just clarified that because we were discussing about the size of the band 
who's in the band and who isn't. And there are sort of variants. So if, if it's Patty with her band, it includes Lenny. And if it's just Patty Smith and band, it's without Lenny. So if, if you are bothered about that, I think you need to look at exactly how it's worded and perhaps Google and just check you're getting the right lineup. Gosh, well, that is a quite slightly pedantic distinction, which would be invisible to most concert goers, I think. Yeah. But now we know. And ultimately, thank you, Luna. It's not that important. You know, it was, the gig was excellent. Loved it. I wouldn't, don't have any real complaints. I would have liked to have seen Lenny there, but. It's like watching Jeff Fred with Joe Parrish. I mean, he's a great guitarist. He's really good, but it's not the same. And I think similarly, Lenny Kay's history with Patti Smith is such that you want to see him there. And I kind of really appreciated the fact that he was there when I saw him, saw her. What songs would you put for Patti Smith? Oh, good question. I uh, had forgotten about that. Because we put the top album was actually Peace and Noise. Correct. So I had Whirl Away from that. Oh, okay. I've got that on my shortlist. I've, I picked Don't Say Nothing. Oh, yeah, that's good as well. Yeah. I'll just give you my four. I've got a four in a little, little suggestion list, which is Don't Say Nothing, Whirl Away, and Dancing Barefoot and My Blakey in the Year. Oh, okay. Well, I had Dancing Barefoot as well, so let's go with that. I'm happy with either of the two from Peace and Noise. I like them both. I also put Free Money because I wanted something from Horses. Okay. Because I think that was probably my top album, maybe, probably. So I I was was thinking Gloria, but that's a cover version, so I'll go for Free Money. Okay. So shall we do, I'm going to say Don't Say Nothing because I think it's more party, but then we both said Whirl Away. No, Don't Say Nothing is fine. I like them. I love them both. Okay. So we'll do Don't Say Nothing, Dancing Barefoot and Free Money. So next is Simon and Garfunkel. Again, no action. I think Paul Simon's now retired, hasn't he? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Which makes any action even less likely. Not impossible. A lot of musicians retire and then unretire. Yeah, I mean, there could be one-off shows as well, couldn't they? That, um, I think he's just sort of retired from being, act, you know, as an active musician. Yeah, and there can always be appearances and things, but I don't hold my breath on that. You know, he produced enough brilliant stuff, he's allowed to retire. Yes, he's old enough I'll as well, it. isn't he? He's, he's is he knocking on 80 now or whatever? So what, what tracks would you like? I think I've got from our top album, I've got I Am A Rock, because I think you favoured that, and Somewhere They Can't Find Me, because I think they're both sort of fairly upbeat songs. From other albums, I was going to pick The Only Living Boy in New York, because it was both our favourite song, and uh, Mrs. Robinson, because I think it's quite jolly. Okay, pretty much the same. I had I Am A Rock from our top album, Sounds of Silence. Uh, I had Only Living Boy New York, because it was our top song. Yeah. And I had Hazy Shade of Winter, rather than Mrs. Robinson, from the Bookends album. So we both picked the two popular tracks from that. I just went for Hazy Shade, because it wasn't on our original list, whereas um, oh, fair enough, yeah. Mrs. Robinson was. That was my only thinking there. Yeah. I actually think Mrs. Robinson's probably a better song, but I do really like them both. So so I'm happy with whichever, even um, sounds... Sounds of Silence I'm happy with. I was picking it's probably... I'd put I'm a Rock because I thought you liked it and thought you would pick it. Oh, gosh. But I'd... I was saying I'm a Rock because it's from the album Sounds of Silence. Oh, right. So I thought you were suggesting the actual song. So... No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So we'll go for I Am A Rock, The Only Living Boy in New York, and then one or two of the singles. Well, we could be a little bit tactical here because jumping forward a, a little for extra tracks... I was one of the things we can put in is cover versions. So I was going to suggest possibly the cover of Mrs. Robinson or Hazy Shade of Winter that, you know, the Bangles one and the, um, the Lemonheads. Lemonheads, thank you. So if you prefer one of those, we could put the Simon and Garbuncle off the other. I'd, of those, probably prefer the Bangles version, I suppose, 
without having done the preparation of listening to those because I wasn't expecting that. This is a, a new di- new thing. I hadn't thought about this at all. So yeah, whatever, uh, whatever I just said. Okay, so let's put Mrs. Robinson on now. All right, and then we're going to put the Bangles Here's Your Shade of Winter as an extra track. We can declare that now. We can declare that now, yeah. But it will be put on late at the end. I'm following, don't worry. So next up, Dire Straits. Again, no real action, except that um, I am in a couple of weeks going to see Dire Streets in Ilkley, which I'm quite looking forward to. Presumably that's a tribute band. Yes. And you also did pick up a copy of Communique the other day. I did, yes. The top album, so you've got that now on vinyl, so you just need a record player, then you'll be able to listen to it. Yeah, I do have it on CD and, of course, streaming, so I can listen to it. And I have been, actually, a bit. So, uh, Well, what's your top track from there, then, for the playlist? Again, I was trying to take into account your tastes. So the suggestion now is Once Upon a Time in the West, because it was the one yeah, where that was, the, my suggestion. That was our overlap track. Yeah. My other tracks, I'm very much favouring the first two albums here, as I think you will notice, is uh, Down to the Waterline and Sultans of Swing. I'm expecting you to throw in a couple of others here. Well, I, I, certainly one of those is absolutely fine. I don't mind which one. I prefer Sultans, but like them both a lot. So if you could just pick one of those, I would be very grateful. Uh, happy with Sultans, yeah. And my other choice was Romeo and Juliet, because I think my top album was Love Over Gold. Okay, we'll put that on. Not very party but you know, parties have ebbs and flows of energy, don't they? Yeah, you can't be 100% action, can you? You need to... Uh, no, you need to have those. none of us are 100% all the time. Indeed, yeah. And there are, you know, even at the greatest party, you do have to nip off for a wee or refreshments exactly. at some point. Well, I'm not suggesting people would use that as an opportunity to go for a wee, but it might be a moment where you just kind of calm down a little bit. A little moment of reflection. Exactly. But then we calm up again because we get swayed. Yes. Who are very active at the moment. Yes, but still with their current album, The Auto Fiction. So nothing sort of as new, although they've released a, a new edition of the album with a with a live disc, which to me seems incredibly pointless, seeing as the point of the actual album is it's a sort of as-live version, a very sort of polished as-live version, which is great. So actually hearing... Live, it, live. Yeah, yeah. So I just think the live version is great. Okay, here's a slightly worse version of all the songs. But I'm sure, it, you know, the fans are very obsessed with Suede and are lapping it up. Um, there's also a disc of extra tracks from the session, which... Um, one of which, which um, I can't remember the name of. The Sadness in You, The Sadness in Me, which was the single off the extra disc, I think is really good and should have actually been on the album. But everything else on it, I think, very much are justified as being their B-side status. So what are you going to pick? Our top album was actually their debut suede, although autofiction was pretty much level pegging. And actually now I might put autofiction above it, having listened more. But certainly those two albums, if... One or the other was our top album, officially Suede. So what would you pick from that, from their debut? I've picked tracks off both of those albums anyway. I've My suggestions are The Drowners of, of Suede and That Boy on the Stage of Autofiction because they're kind of my favourite tracks off those albums and probably one of the jolliest. Yeah, I'm happy with both of those. As the third track, I've sort of thought maybe Life is Golden, All the Beautiful Ones, just trying to keep the jolly upbeatness of the party. Yeah, I went for Beautiful Ones. Right. That's my third track. So we'll go for that. From Autofiction, I had She Still Leads Me On, but I don't mind. I like Boy on the Stage as well. So So after that was, of course, The Devil Makes Free. It's fairly actually fairly recent since we've done this. So there's not really been any action in terms of the band. They're still active and playing some gigs, but that's that's about it. So let's jump straight to the tracks. Obviously, of course, as we have previously mentioned, they were did 
sadly narrowly miss out on my gig of the year, which is not quite as prodigious, prestigious as the Golden Jeffreys, but yeah, we're not, not there. far from it. Yeah. 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 It's definitely up there. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a bit, they will be kicking themselves. It is a bit hard on them because it was a brilliant gig. But anyway, let's jump straight to the tracks. I've broken the only sticking to one album rule again, and I've picked Chains Are Broken, Paint My Face, and Banger Mash for Jollity. Well, I had Paint My Face from our, from our top album, and then I was spreading out the albums, so I went for 10 Feet Tall and River Deep. Um, I, I think Paint My Face is the best track on that album. Yeah, I certainly well, we've, like we've overlapped that. Break, so. so we'll pick that one. Either of 10 Feet Tall or River Deep, grab your fancy. 10 Feet Tall's a bit jollier or do you want to go river deep a river deep is more epic isn't it yeah but do we want one of the quieter moments for the for the party because if we pick banger mash as well that's another more upbeat jollity record all right let's go banger mash and river deep then and then finally we're on to queen who we have done fairly recently as well and obviously not that active a band apart from playing live so i don't think there's anything to report here well half of them playing live half of the band well yes but it's still queen isn't it Arguably, well, yeah, although arguably not. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, it, they don't. You know, they they don't pretend that Adam Lambert has replaced Freddie. They're very clear on that. It's Queen and Adam Lambert, and Adam Lambert makes it very clear when they play live. And when I saw them live, there was it still. It didn't feel quite like a Queen concert, but not far from it. What I found quite quite frustrating, if that's the word, or odd, was the complete lack of mention of John Deacon, which I thought was a bit weird. It, I know he doesn't want to be part of it, and that's fine. But it was almost like he'd been painted out of history. And they made quite a big deal about mentioning Freddie and showing Freddie and Freddie was on the screen during Love of My Life and stuff like that. As I said, Adam made his specific speech. I'm not trying to replace Freddie, don't worry. But it was like poor old JD, Deeks, had just been painted out of the picture. And I just thought that was a bit odd. Yeah. Not even a mention, you mean, like, a, you know. I mean, like, you know, you start something, one of his tracks, maybe, you know, when everyone bites the dust or whatever, you, it would have been an opportunity to have shown him or done something about that. You know, this is dedicated to our you know, great friend and blah, blah. Yeah, because I was going to say, because even if he didn't want to be part of the show at all, as in, i.e. not up on the screens, they could have, True. like you say, just dedicated one of his songs to him. Yeah. So, tracks from the top album, which was News of the World, I've picked either Spread Your Wings, which I think is my favourite off the album, or thought we could do the We Will Rock You, We Are The Champions duo as one track. Well, I'd gone for Spread Your Wings. Right. Other tracks, I was umming and ahhing about whether we should have Bohemian Rhapsody in, for all the reasons we have discussed before. Is it a bit, especially for a party as well, is it too long? Is everyone a bit bored of it? But it also is very jolly and you end up singing along. Yeah, well, I, I went for exactly the same thinking and part of me says, yes, for goodness sake, stick it on. And part of me would actually quite like to put on something else. And have you and I was, got a list of something else's? Is... Well, Somebody to Love, which is probably my favourite track of Queen, I would say. I quite like some of the early ones, the sort of liar, great king rat type rockers, which I think are quite fun. Stone Cold Crazy, I think is quite a good fun party song. And then songs like Radio Gaga, which I think again are a little bit sing-along. So that's where I was okay, with yeah. that. I mean, I've got... I mean, there's so many for Queen, aren't there? It's so hard to just pick one. Yeah. Um, I've got I Want to Break Free as well in there as a sort of nice sort of party song. I'm not sure I'd call that a party song. I think it's jolly. Well... I don't know if a jolly's the word I would use. It's a good song, of course. You're putting two John Deacon tracks in there as well, you see. Yeah. So, Somebody to Love, was that your... Yeah, I have to say, let's put Somebody to Love, because again, it's a good sing-along. And let's pick um, another. Let's not pick Bohemian Rhapsody. Let's try and not be obvious. Do any of the ones I said 
uh, appeal to you? What What was the? Could give me the list again quickly. Well, I said liar. I think Great King Rat. You know, from that. Or was it? I'm going from memory here. I didn't write yeah. this one down. I'm just oh, thinking. Stone Cold Crazy. I'm th- Stone Cold Crazy is from um, Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah, let's go with that because I think that. Um, the third album, Sheer Heart Attack, I do underrate it in my mind. I think it's better than my brain keeps telling me it is. I'm kind of a bit dismissive of it. Of it. And then when I listen to it, I think, oh, this is all right. It does feel a little bit lost, doesn't it? Because you've got, obviously, Night of the Opera straight afterwards, which makes the massive splash with Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the first two albums do feel like they're more or less two sides of the same thing. Yeah. So this sort of transitional album in the middle, which apart from Killer Queen... I was going to say, I just remembered about Killer Queen, which is another jolly track as well, because that would perhaps go on a, a short list of possible tracks. But I'm happy to stick with Stone Cold Crazy. Well, let's stick with that. Yeah, we've got, we've our, got a bit of a, our three yeah. tracks. You said we're doing extra tracks. Yes. So first of all is we didn't, we might have. Did we do this last not, time? Well, this is what I'm about to say is that we might have not quite remembered to have done extra tracks on the Jeffrey Report season one. So. Going back to then, I was going to suggest that we put a Woodlands track as an extra track. Oh, yeah. I remember this discussion now. Yes. All right. So going back to the first one, so you're going to add that to the first playlist? No, I'll just add it into this one because we've... we've add it into we've, this one. Okay. Come in. All right. So do a Woodlands track then. Uh, yes. I was going to suggest, rather obviously, move forward the track one, but I do think yeah. it's... And it's, it's mid-tempo, which I actually like. But yes, it's, it is a standout track, I think, on the album. It's, the harmonies on it are lovely. I'm very happy with that. This probably is my favourite track on the album, which I, I I never quite like it when I like the first track the best. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I should I should, I should be able to see beyond that, but actually I think it is probably the best track. Yeah, I think sometimes when you try and be um, not quite so obvious, you um, you forget. But quite often they do stick. They're sort of like the obviously the obviously you know like the song that grabs you on first. And uh, yeah, sometimes like to be not quite so obvious. And yeah, isn't it overthink it, but. They do often put that there to drag you in, don't they? Yeah, and like, you know, like you say, sometimes it's there just because actually it is the best. So we've already put in Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles as a, a cover version. I think the other sort of obvious suggestion is Respect by Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I was thinking that when you mentioned about the cover version thing. That obviously jumps out. I think we've already, we picked Hard to Handle, didn't we, as a track off? Yes. Because obviously the Black Crows version was would perhaps get um, a nod there yeah, had we not pick that. Yeah, it's good. Good track. It's a good version, yeah. I also quite like, I don't know whether this is actually a bit too jolly, as in moving into the cheesy area, is uh, Matt Berry's version of Angie, which is, of course, off um, Sounds of Silence, although they covered it as well. It's not their song, but Matt Berry has done a, a very jolly cover version of it on an organy type thing on his album Night Terrors. Well, I don't know that song, so I cannot comment we we'll maybe leave that one off then, but we can, we'll put on Aretha Franklin as well as an extra track. So next, we move to the awards. So we could do, I mean, we, we discussed a few things as well, like we've got the most tagged on track, which we was talking about under pressure for Hot Space. I don't think that could ever be surpassed. I'm not sure I entirely agree that it could never be surpassed when looking backwards because the way albums were cobbled together in the past rather than the way they tend to be considered these days. But yes, I mean, that's such an obvious clash of styles. And the winner of the most tagged on track for season one, we've gone back and said there was nothing really ends on Deus's Pocket Revolution because we didn't have this award then because it's not really an award, this recognition then. So for this season, I'm very uh, there's no way anybody's going to beat Under Pressure tagged on there. 
I'm thinking back, like I think you're right, there are times when people have had a a hit with a song that wasn't actually on the album, and then they've re-released it with that song tagged on. Yeah. So there may actually be something out there that that could compete. Hopefully, if anyone's listening and has any ideas, do message us somehow. Probably via the website would be best, which is jeffreymusic.rocks. That's the one. Coolest customer we started up last last year. I would suggest for this year, it's probably just Balthazar as a whole. Well, I I I I had in my head Alex Lifeson because I think Lurkst is one of the coolest, nicest, amazing guys ever. So he was he was one of my nominations. I think in many ways he's lived this brilliant life of being a really nice, decent guy, good looking fella. He's a brilliant guitarist. He's a multimillionaire rock star. He married his childhood sweetheart and they've been together since then. And he's basically spent his life going around with his best mate, Geddy Lee, just mucking about for his entire career whilst becoming filthy rich. So, and, and he remains such a lovely, humble guy. Um, and if you, if you sign up to his Team Lurks newsletter, they're really good. They're really funny. And he's very, you know, self deprecating and humorous. So for me, he was one of my nominations. Balthazar as well. I completely agree with you. Uh, all of Balthazar or she wanted to link it to Ginty and Martin possibly as the two leading figures in Balthazar, at least from a compositional perspective. And I also think you, you can't really deny Patti Smith's incredible coolness as well. So they were my three nominations, which is a bit of a bit of a cheat because not quite three. Yeah, no, that, that is, it, it is good because obviously uh, Patti Smith is just so incredibly influential, which I don't think we realised when we started researching this. Yeah, and a good call on Alex Lifeson as well because he's... Um, I just wish I were him. If you could be anybody in the world, he's just he's just cracked life in my view. Yes, he's done all right, hasn't he? And I think as well yeah. with Balthazar, Balthazar's is more of a conscious cool, isn't it? Whereas I think Patty Smith and Alex are just sort of cool by just doing what they want. Yeah, and very differently because I mean, Patty Smith, when she was younger, in particular, was very antagonistic and confrontational, which is exactly the opposite of Alex Lyson. So in a sense, quite and she isn't now. I mean, she's obviously so many years later. But uh, but yeah, I mean, she was obviously a lot more influential than Rush. So I think she'd probably get my vote on balance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm walking through my list. I've not put them in a good order. So I'm like, uh, no, you haven't. We're completely out of order here. We've done most tagged on track and coolest customer. So we could do the net biggest cover and album quality disparity. Oh, okay. I'm looking at my notes, you see, rather than actually what the way I've listed it on the agenda. I'm looking at the agenda. Okay. So let's go. Okay. So. What one th- All right, I'm just going to barge in here a little bit because one thing I think, going back to counterparts, I think it's probably Rush's worst cover, and yet one of their best albums. So that would be one. Previous on the on the previous season, we probably put Pink Floyd's Omagumma in the slot for the other way around. Great cover, terrible album. So in terms of counterparts, I'd say great album, terrible cover. Yes, that that is a good call. I mean, I've got as I think the most of proper nomination for the winner is um otis redding complete and unbelievable the otis redding dictionary of soul of course it's that of course it's that that's obviously the winner of this isn't it yes yeah how did i miss that that is the worst cover of any album ever so it doesn't actually matter how bad the songs are how good the songs are this cover is still going to be worse than it that could be otis redding basically belching into the microphone for the entire 45-minute record, and it would still be better than the cover. Yes, but it's largest disparity, which it definitely has, because it is actually a decent album as well. Well, it is a decent album, but it is the worst piece of... It's the worst thing I've ever seen with my eyes. It's just so bad. 
that's definitely the winner of that award. It's not an award. It's, it's what is it? It's just a recognition it's for a little, isn't it? We're yeah, not actually on the award. Little, um, we can't afford to be doing golden hewn statues for everything. So we've only got two of those, which is for the best album and the best cover or artwork packaging. It's just that the, the gold statue. Everything is just else the is just an honorable mention. Although the best cover stroke packaging is a proper award. Oh, have you only actually made one gold? Only just made only one. Got one yeah. made. And we only made one last, okay. last time. Did we? Yeah. It was quite expensive, that, wasn't it? It cost us several million. It was, yeah. We didn't... Because it is solid gold. Yeah, we didn't get a thank you note either from Kameda, so... I think it may have got lost in the post. I'm concerned it's in some uh, courier's warehouse somewhere kicking about. Some postman's back pocket. But anyway, so if we actually go back to the the agenda that I wrote, and maybe I'll try and follow that, the one we've missed out is actually the best cover stroke packaging. Yeah. I sort of have, I think, as my favourites. I have to say, I didn't have anything that jumped out quite as much as season one but i do like rush's moving pictures i think it's a really nice cover i also think patty smith horses is i know it's simple but it is a great cover and obviously now iconic have you any others to throw on the list well i had those two as well and as you say there's nothing that jumps out actually i think a lot of the bands we've covered i don't, don't particularly like all the covers of most of those bands. The only ones that I do actually is Rush, I think, do pretty good covers on the whole, with some exceptions. So I had moving pictures. But I also have a big soft spot for the cover of Signals. I do really like that with the Dalmatian Dog. I think that's a really good cover. But yeah, moving pictures. And of course, Patti Smith Horses, with that classic Robert Mapplethorpe photo. So I find it quite hard to see past that. And the other bands there, I'm not just not that keen on their covers, mostly. Yeah, I think a lot of them are all right. You know, like Suede, which do are quite arty and all right, some effort yeah. into, with except for the New Morning, because they're all too too coked up to uh, put any effort into it. But I didn't like Suede. I, I don't mind their later covers, but I didn't particularly like their album covers until the more later ones. No, I... I I don't especially, but they have put, they did put some effort into them. I mean, the first two was Brett looking through his art books, but they definitely did put some effort in. It's just, yeah, I don't think there's. I'm sure everybody put effort in on all of them. I just, whether or not that effort clicks with my own personal yeah. taste, whereas it does more with Rush and, as I said, the Patty Smith one, horses in particular. Although a few of her covers are quite like. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, um, but I think. So um, um, I would go horses. Me too. That's the one I've put. Okay, great. So Horses gets that, Patty Smith Horses. And Patty Smith also got the, the she's doing well, isn't mm. she? She got Coolest Customer. Yep. And Best Cover Packaging. Let me go back to the agenda. So we've got, we've done Coolest Customer. Surprise or Discovery is next. Surprise Stroke Discovery. Yeah. So, I mean, there's absolutely loads, isn't there? Because there's things like, like you say, with Rush and discovering albums you didn't really know like counterparts even clockwork angels which i had listened to just listening to it more and reading the book just sort of opened it up to a definite top five album for me now for rush certainly competing for top album as well i think going through the list of people i mean alphas are it wouldn't have discovered at all if it wasn't for this podcast and obviously you know it was deus banging on about balthazar that led us down that road otis redding again had new virtually very little. I'd only heard really Dock of the Bay that I really knew. Patty Smith again, heard virtually nothing. Only started looking at Patty Smith after reading all the talking head stuff and just thought, oh, listen to Patty Smith, see what she's like. I could get to me to honest, pretty much everyone. I mean, The Devil Makes Free, I knew pretty well. So there's sort of no discovery there, but everyone else does a, an element of discovery or rediscovery. My sort of nominations, I think, are Otis Redding, Patty Smith, and actually sort of rediscovering Suede because I just, they dropped off my radar and um, are very much back on it. 
Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. So for me, it's it's probably Baltasar Otis Redding, Patti Smith. Of those, we've seen Baltasar and Patti Smith live, which are two of the best concerts I've ever been to. So probably just about dropping Otis Redding off the list there and prioritizing either Patti Smith or Baltasar. And I think I'm going to say Baltasar just above Patti Smith, partly because Patti Smith will just won two awards. And also, I think Baltasar also led me on to other things like the the solo projects, in particular Martin's uh, project of Warhouse, which I think is fantastic, um, as, as well as people like Sylvie Crush. So probably say Baltasar on balance. Okay, you're talking a good argument. So, I mean, going back to our shortlist then, I think like Otis Redding, I think, was a big discovery for me because I think I've always been quite dismissive of soul music which I think is partly due to growing up in the 80s when you've got you know things like Alexander O'Neill and those kind of souls and I just thought oh I don't like soul because of that being quite dismissive of soul and just thought I don't like it it's not for me so actually to going back and sort of finding out and just think actually there's somebody who's really good and just imagine as well had he not died in that crash what he might have gone on to do but there's some really great stuff amongst his back catalogue but I take your argument about the fact that we've seen Patti Smith and Balthazar live is a good one, fella. Thank you. Patti Smith is, again, somebody really influential and just had gone under my ear. Again, I think been a little bit dismissed as punk as I don't tend to like punky acts. But again, sort of shown the error of my ways there. Coming back to your point about live, I think Balthazar would probably be in, definitely in top 10, possibly top five gigs of all time. Yeah, I would agree. But so, but now you're saying it. Sorry, had you finished? No. Go well, on. I was going to sort of like go on. Finish your um, finish your sentence. Say you've kind of like talked me around, and I, I think I was happy to second your Balthazar nomination. But I'm getting the impression that you're about to back out of it. No, I'm, I'm not entirely backing out of it. But I wonder if Balthazar is very much our comfort zone. You know, where and have been into Belgian indie essentially because of Deus for thirty years. So Baltasar is very much our comfort zone, whereas Patti Smith, neither of us have ever really been into punk. Otis Redding, neither of us have ever really been into self, through our own ignorance, largely, as, as we completely own. So these were great ways of challenging our ignorance and opening our eyes a little bit. So I wonder if Baltasar's a bit too much of a comfort zone pick, which Swade would be as well, of course. 90s been our big music decade for us. So I wonder if Otis Redding or Patti Smith is a more a braver pick, if you like. Well, I, th- I think... Of- all of those three, assuming we've got Otis, Redding, Patti Smith and Balthazar as our shortlist, I think we can discount Swade because we're largely aware of them. Yeah. I think all three are perfectly worthy winners yeah. of this prestigious award. And I'm sure. Well, I wonder if Otis Redding opens up Soul a little bit more for us because I have taken more interest in Soul since then and I have done more research and I have listened a bit to other people. Haven't really found anyone quite the right act yet for me to spend a huge amount of time with. It seems to be Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson were the big two names that were regarded as being chief among others, certainly in terms of composition. So I may explore those a little bit more. I haven't really been, haven't quite hooked me yet. So I wonder if Otis Redding is opening the door to more things. Oh God, I'm just talking myself around in circles here. Yeah, no, I feel the same. And I agree with the soul thing as well, because I've done the same and I've not actually managed to find somebody else that I feel the same way about Otis. And I thought, okay, maybe this 60s, maybe even 70s soul is the way to go here. I need to like forget about the 80s and all that horrible overproduced nonsense. 
yeah, definitely. try that. But so far, it has failed in actually finding something. Again, if there is somebody out there who can recommend something, uh, jeffreymusic.rocks, please message us or on Instagram or Twitter. X. X. Where is Twitter? But it's at Jeffrey Podcast on there, which whatever you call it, it's, it's there. So we'll go for Balthazar. I've made an executive decision. And the reason is because I just think we've got more future. I've decided. So. Yeah, definitely. It means I don't have to make a decision, which I'm quite pleased about. So I'll just. Just move on quickly before I change your mind. So least favorite album. Do you want to go first? Well, I don't think of, of the ones we've done, I don't think there has been what I would call a real bad stinker album by any of the artists except Rush. I think everybody else. Every single album has something that I've liked about it or whatever. But I think for me, that 80s period rush just did not work for me at all. And I really loathed a couple of the albums in the middle of there. My least favorite album is Hold Your Fire. I just do not like that album. And I've listened again and people have told me, no, it's good. Listen, give it a chance. No, doesn't work for me. Okay, so you've just got one nomination. The only other one I've got is that Suede and New Morning. I I just didn't write at all. So that would be the only other one, I suppose, which just contradicts what I was saying about the others not making a bad album. But I think there's two or three Rush albums, which to me just didn't didn't click. But by far and away, for me personally, the one that I just didn't get was Hold Your Fire. But okay, I'll add the Suede in New Morning. And I could add, if we're really going for it, I could add the Rush album, Vapor Trails, Test for Echo. Those two didn't work for me. Didn't really like Presto. Wasn't that keen on Power Windows, really, although it's... Marathon is a cracker. Marathon's a good song, yeah. That's why I excluded that one. I agree with a a lot of what you've said there. And I would say, if you do look at most of the bands we've picked, even like their worst albums, which are Patti Smith's Dream of Life, Suede's A New Morning, for example, are albums I'm not going to listen to again. But they're also not terrible. Yeah, that's what I was saying, yeah. I think... I suppose Queen's Flash Gordon... I suppose. Well, I've also got Flash Gordon and Made in Heaven on my short list. The thing is, though, with Flash Gordon is it's, it, it is a soundtrack, and therefore you've got to judge it as a soundtrack. I mean, I know we don't. We rank it as an album because it's an album ranking podcast. So you've got to put that context there. It's not the same as trying to produce a, an album which is just for listening. Yeah, no, I agree. And I didn't pick it for that reason. Going to Rush, I generally agree. I think my least favourite is probably Test for Echo, but I think we have the same group of sort of four or five albums. Certainly Hold Your Fire, Presto, Test for Echo and Vapor Trails, which are records I would not put on. I think the only thing I would say is like Test for Echo and Presto both have a decent song on, whereas Test for Echo and Vapor Trails don't have a song I would really listen to, which is why I've gone for Test for Echo, because I decided that was my bottom Rush album. So are you saying Hold Your Fire has a track you'd listen to? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Which one? Was it Force 10? That's all yeah, right Force 10, you reckon? It's all right. I mean, I don't really listen to it, but when I listen to it, I think, oh, yeah, this is okay. Yeah, and I so I, I have sort of Test for Echo and Made in Heaven as my bottom two albums. So I think it's between Hold Your Fire, my nomination, versus your nomination of Test for Echo. Fair enough. What do you recommend? Well, I recommend my choice, obviously. That's why it's my choice. What do you, rec- what do you recommend? <laughs> My choice. Oh. It is difficult because, as I say, I think none of those albums I would ever put on because I think particularly, as course, Rush have some su- such great albums. You just wouldn't bother going near those. So I think also the um, with Hold Your Fire, it has that horrible 80s production on it, which Tess for Echo doesn't, although it's not very good. 
So maybe I'll, 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 I will concede. Good. To hold your fire. Which brings us to the, the big one, the Golden Jeff best album. Do you want to go first? I struggled a lot with this as you, as I always do with these, these sorts of things. I've come up with Balthazar's Sand, their latest album, which I think is an absolute cracking album. Patti Smith, I've gone for Horses over Peace and Noise. Suede, I've put both Suede and Auto Fiction because there are sort of joint top albums. And I've gone for Rush Counterparts, but it, I could also, I, I, I mean, that wasn't our top album. So that's probably should really put the top album. But I, I don't know. It's just increasingly become a, an album that I absolutely love. And my top three Rush albums are probably Signals, Hemispheres, and Counterparts at the moment. So I'm putting that. So those are my five nominations. So let's see if we've got any crossover first. What we do, I remember thinking like at the end of our first trimester of episodes, we've got Signals, Sand, and The Immortal Otis Redding. And I sort of thought at that time, I just thought like, I bet we don't like have an, albums better than these three in the top three. You're pretty much right. I think I was right pretty much, but I want some honourable mentions, which um of ones that I really, really do like and think are complete great albums, which is um The Devil Makes Three, Chains Are Broken, Dire Straits, Communique, and Rush Clockwork Angels. I could keep going. I think we have got a lot of albums. You know, like you said, the suede ones definitely would be sort of next on my list, I think. But yeah, I think the first three... So again, for and I was signals, going to those three. I was going to nominate Otis Redding, the Immortal. Well, I was tempted with that, but the reason I didn't put it on my list was it was a posthumous cobbling together of things rather than an album that he created. Like all those albums around that time, and and he was very guilty of this of just you know shoving songs on a disc and then heading out on the road rather than really crafting an album with care. So that was kind of my thinking there because it was posthumous and not really his in that way but i'm certainly happy to consider it because i do think it's an absolute cracker it's definitely right up there so should be a nomination i mean failing that the one we both nominated in our top few was balthazar sand yes so we can i mean i'm happy to limit it to balthazar sand and otis reading the immortal to between those two okay because we kind of agreed on rush as well but um not quite on the album one of the things that we've tried to do with this season in particular was go backwards and look at things that we didn't know and fill those gaps in our knowledge, which we did with people like Otis Redding, Patti Smith, etc. But also look forward and try and be looking for new stuff as well, which is Balthazar was part of that thinking. So I kind of like the fact that there's one forward-looking newer band and one going back in time person as well. So I'm almost tempted to do a joint. Could we, could we just think, or do you think we have to say, we have to decide? I don't know. I know what you're saying. It's uh, perhaps need to. Uh, what would we do with the statue? Because I don't think we can afford a second one. We could cut it in half. Well, we could melt it down and make two smaller statues. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Because it is solid gold. I mean, it costs a bit to melt it down, I suppose, but... That's okay. I've got, um, I've got a smelter out in the shed. Everyone's got a smelter. Otherwise, how would people produce solid gold statues? Well, exactly, yes. I've, I thought everyone had them. I think, well, I assume you've got a shed, obviously. I, yeah. I don't have a shed. But if I had a shed, first thing I'd get is a smelter. Yeah. So shall we? Actually, shall we a joint do award? A joint? Do a joint award? Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd I'd like to do that. I mean, it sounds a little bit lame to not make a decision, but at the same time, we're celebrating positivity here. So I think that's quite a nice thing to do. So let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there it is. Then official, the Golden Jeff is a joint winner 
for Balthazar's Sand and and Otis Redding, the immortal Otis Redding. I think we're at the end now. I think we are. So that's the end of season two of this light entertainment program. So look forward to season three, which we're already cracking on with. We've got, uh, we're doing the research, aren't we, fella? Yeah, currently listening to three different acts, shall we say, at the moment. Yes. They're not bands, are they? Not all of them. Not all of them. Two of them are. Are they? Yeah, two of them are. Yeah, two. Yeah, and doing some uh, doing some reading and stuff. So that's the big excitement thing coming up there. And next up will be a series of top tens from season two. So going backwards, starting with Queen, our top ten tracks of Queen, etc. And then whatever was before Queen, can't remember. Dare Straits or something. Or was it Suede? I don't know, it whatever. Suede or Devil Makes Free. But, or, yeah, well, what, the, the reverse order anyway of that, the top ten tracks thereof, which were recorded out of order. Yes, completely. Completely out of order. But anyway, whatever. You will you will get those next in your podcast app of choice. You will get those and then you will uh, enjoy them because they're only short, aren't they? They're about four, seven or eight minutes or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They're only short for a change, which is uh, yeah, perhaps a blessing. Because normally we would be guilty of obviously getting to the end of a podcast and then wishing on about stuff for significantly longer than necessary. That would be our normal approach, which obviously is obviously not happening on this one at all. No. Well, fortunately, we learned by our mistakes. Yes. We cut that out completely. Definitely. We just don't do it. No. So, you know, every day's a school day. Or just talking circles about stuff that you can't really make a decision.